Well, hey, good morning. It's good to be back with you guys. I've been around. I just haven't been teaching. And so Eric said it was going to be short service, but I've got about four or five weeks that i got to cram in here in the next little bit. But no, I'm just kidding. Hey, uh, all families have a culture. And so as a husband and wife gather together and they stand before each other and they say, I will, at that moment, a culture begins to make shape. And sometimes that culture is, or a lot of times that culture is a train wreck because two families are coming together and they get married and all of a sudden they start sorting out all the different stuff that's happening. And um, it takes a little bit to sort through the train wreck of the different stuff. But this morning I want us to think about two things related to that idea of each family has a culture and, and core values, but also as a church we have core values. And those two things this morning actually tie together. And so when a husband and wife stand together and they make this commitment together, one of the passages that's read quite often is Ephesians chapter 5, which talks about this idea of we're to submit to one another. And the idea that Paul is giving in Ephesians chapter 5 of submitting to one another is this, we should actually try to outserve one another. That it's 100% to outserve the spouse, each other as the spouse. And so whenever I talk about this at a wedding, one of the things I kind of give an illustration to help describe that is that means that husband thinking about generic roles over time, okay, is that that means wives, you should be the one re-roofing the house and changing the oil in the car. Husbands, that means you should be the one cooking breakfast and doing the laundry, all those different kind of things. But that idea of we should be out serving one another and doing whatever we can do to help the other person, to encourage, to put courage into them. That's what the idea of encouragement is. And that that should be, for us especially as Christian families, a core value of out-serving one another. As Jesus even came, whenever he came, he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And he even his final words, his final act was to wash the feet of his disciples. And there's some, nothing more humbling than to be a part of an experience like that. And so if that's a huge part of Jesus's life and ministry, it should also be something that defines us as well. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you don't, it'll show up on the screen here in just a little bit. But Jesus's ministry, as he's beginning to start, there's this moment where James and John, who are a couple of his disciples, come to him and they're discussing, they're seeing all this kind of stuff happen. They're excited about what's happening in Jesus's life and ministry. And so they come to him and they say, hey, we want to be sitting next to you. We want a place of honor. And so Jesus is uh, like, hey, that's not what we're about. Even I have come not to be served, but to serve. And how we have this natural desire to put ourselves in places of authority and places of honor. And Jesus said, I, as the Son of God, have come to place myself at your feet and to wash your feet and to serve you. And that's the same mindset that you should have as well. As a matter of fact, there are more and more leadership books that are written, not just for church, but for the secular world. And one of the principles that they go back to is the principles of Jesus and that Jesus was such a great leader. And they talk about as a servant heart of placing others before yourselves. And it's an upside down funnel from what the world usually does. And so for in our homes, what would it look like for us if we were to outserve one another? I mean, I know if you have kids and you've got two-year-olds and three-year-olds, it's kind of counterintuitive for them to serve you, right? Because why? We don't have to teach them how to be selfish. They've learned it from us. If you think that you're not selfish, get married or get in a relationship, have kids, and all of a sudden you realize how selfish you are. And Jesus continually reminds us that it's a fight for us because we're humans 
to not be about ourselves, but to be about other people. To relinquish our rights, our supposed rights and our supposed privileges as humans and to serve other people. But that is our call as followers of Jesus is to live life upside down and to serve other people, to serve our family, but also to serve our neighbors as well. So James and John decided they wanted this honor and they wanted to be above everyone else. And Jesus just says to them, hey, among you, it will be different. Among you, Christians will be different. Whoever wants to be leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to everyone else. In other words, we submit our rights and privileges. And then even Jesus closes out that passage. He says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve other people to wash the feet, to care for others, to submit to them, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus gives us that ultimate model for that. But even as uh, the church, Paul uses that description of the human body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And he talks about within the human body that there are sometimes things that seem more prominent. Like whenever you look at someone, there's things that you quickly recognize and you see. You see, hey, Chris has a wonderful hairdo, right? I mean, it's a great looking hairdo. You see ears, you see eyes. So when you look at someone, you see things that are very prominent. However, there are also things that are hidden that are also prominent as well. You need things that are hidden because it's an important part of the body. And so here Paul uses that description of the human bodies. He talks about each one of us as that we are created in the image of God. We're unique. We have skills and passions and talents. But then also the next thing is, is that when you say yes to Jesus and you enter into that relationship with him, you are then in him and in him, the Holy Spirit uniquely gifts you. He gives you a gift and you a gift as a part of the body here at Cross Point Community Church. And so Paul describes that using the image of the body. So follow along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start in verse 4 and 7. Now I'm using a translation that I don't usually use. Okay, usually I teach out of the New Living Translation or the New International Version. But today I'm going to be teaching out of the message because it's a little different for us. And so hopefully it will challenge your mind and your thinking just a little bit. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they are all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it. So in other words, the activity of God is going on, but all of that activity, all of the gifts, all the different things that's happening originate from the Holy Spirit. And that it's not something that just randomly happens, but the Spirit decides and places those gifts and the activity of God happens because God chooses to do what God chooses to do when he does it and how he does it. Each person is given something to do to show who God is. In other words, if you proclaim the name of Jesus, God has not only created you unique, but in Christ, he's given you a gift so that people encounter you, they get to see that you are the image of God and they get to see a little glimpse of who God is because of you, because of the gift that you've gotten. So if you're not using that gift, then you're not fulfilling this part where each person is a part of showing who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. The variety is beautiful. 
Now, the church should be the most diverse thing in the world, that we have all different kinds of things because God is bringing us together to accomplish his purpose, and he needs us to be a diverse body. You don't need a whole bunch of people doing the same things, saying things. We need to be a diverse body. And here Paul says that's the beauty of what it means for the church to come together. And then he lists out all these different gifts. You can read that on your own, all right, because we all have all these different things. And then in verse 12 and following, you can easily see how all of these different things work together, looking no further than your own body. Your body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and our piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots. But now we've entered into a large and integrated life in which we have he has the final say in everything. In other words, before we said yes to Jesus, it was about my agenda and my agenda alone. What I want, when I want, how I want it, when I want it. But now that we're in Christ, the thing that we're growing to understand is that he gives us marching orders and he gives us marching orders according to our gifts and our talents and where we're at. And he wants us, he desires for us to experience the fullness of life, not holding us back, but he, whenever we experience that the most is when we're working together as a body, that we're going forward together and moving together. I don't know about you, but there have, as I've gotten a little bit older, I'm almost in my 30s now, and as I get into this place, things begin to hurt a little bit more than when I was 18, 19, 20. As a matter of fact, there are parts of my body that I know that I have now because they hurt that I didn't know before. And so here Paul is saying that there are those things in our life that we begin to recognize and you don't realize that you even have them until they're hurting. But they're important. Like you need a hip, you need a labrum, you need all these different things, but you didn't even think about them until they begin to hurt. So we each used to call our own shots and have our own agenda, but now, because we're in Christ, we're moving together. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain in his spirit where we all come to drink. The old labels that we used to use to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek or slave or free or whatever labels we're using today, are no longer useful. Why? Because the world doesn't define us and the world doesn't label us. We are labeled in Christ, for Christ, through Christ, and that's our label, that's our definition, that's how we move forward. That's where we find our identities, wholly and fully, in the person of Jesus Christ. And therefore, because we're in Christ, we're not satisfied with the world's labels. One, they didn't satisfy us to begin with, but now we're like, for surely don't need them. We want something that's bigger and larger and more comprehensive. And as a follower of Christ, the mission that we've been given to point people to Jesus is a large mission that never ends. That the church has been working on for over 2,000 years and we're still continually trying to go to the ends of the earth. Why? To point people to Jesus because we understand that each one of us are gifted in different ways and we are a part of something that's larger and bigger than ourselves. That's eternal and that will not fade away. The work that we do for Christ will never fade away. So therefore our gifts and our movement together is something bigger and larger than ourselves. I love this verse. I want you to think how all of this makes you more significant, not less. Listen to that. I want you to think how this makes you more significant, not less. That being a part of the body and fleshing out what God's called you to do, it actually makes your life even more significant because eternal stuff happens because you're in on the activity of God. 
that the cars, the truck, all the different things of this world will go by the wayside, but the work that we do in the kingdom will be eternal work. Therefore, that work makes your life even more significant, not less, because you're not defined by the labels that the world puts on us, but you're defined by who you are in Jesus. A body isn't just a, a single part blown up into something large. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said, I'm not elegant, like the hand embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? If the ear said, I'm not beautiful like the eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from your body? If the body was just one big eye, how could it hear? If it was all one ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. And as part of that, doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. All of those things that we take for granted, we don't think about how the eye works. We don't think about how we smell that smell, whether it's good or bad. We don't think about how we don't can or can't hear until we can't hear. That we begin to think about the things that are normal whenever we realize we can't see as well, we can't hear as well, we can't smell as well. All the different things. Whenever we begin to hurt, we recognize the beauty of God's creation and how he is put this thing together and he created it and moved it forward and how all this is this great variety of parts, but all these parts working together accomplish a great task. Life. And in Christ, life to the full. But I also want to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. That our natural desire as humans is we want people to recognize us. We want people to applaud us. For doing what we're supposed to be doing. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. Our significance as followers of Christ comes from being a part of the body of Christ. And Paul uses this great example. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but it would be a monster. It would be foolish. What we have is one body with many parts. Each in its proper size and its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you again imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you. Or the head telling the foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out. As a matter of fact, in practice it works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic, therefore the more necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's a part of your own body you're concerned with, it makes no difference where the part, whether the part is visible or clothed or higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor. Just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. That's why we got dressed today, because we're concerned. There's some things we don't want people to see. If you had to choose, you wouldn't prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair. Obviously. The way God designed our bodies is a model for our understanding. Our lives together as a church. Every part is dependent on every other part. The parts that we mention and the parts that we don't. The parts that we see and the parts that we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. And in one part flourishes, every part enters into the exuberance together. That's the family. That's us 
hurting together, that's us walking together, that's being joyful together, that in the first service we had a baptism and there's a celebration and exuberance. Why? Because people have joined the family and the, the body has, has gotten stronger and has gotten better because more are apart. And here in a little bit we're about to baptize someone else. And, and again, there's a joy, there's an exuberance over people's proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And we're joining together and saying we're moving together, that these new people have their gifts and God has placed gifts in them and they're going to strengthen the body. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part, that what your body does, that your part means anything. In your home, you establish a culture. Whether by intentionality or by ignorance or by apathy or whatever it may be, each home has a culture and core values. And here... At Crosspoint, one of the core values that we talk about all the time, and I see you living it out, I love being the pastor here, because we are a body that's about serving. We are a body about doing what we're supposed to be doing in the community and loving on people and loving on kids and teenagers, and that's us being the body. And you are doing that. Some of you are at a place where you're like, hey, I'm coming here and I need to figure out my place. Today's a great day. We're going to have opportunities for you to check that out. And there may not even be something over there, but something's put on your heart for where we need to be going. And challenging us. But there are opportunities for you to connect and to serve and to be a part of the body. And listen, this body cannot be who we're completely supposed to be if you're not a part. Don't think that your part is too insignificant or there's not even something there yet. Find your place and we'll help you be a part of the body here. We need you to sit at the table. One of the things I think about as I think about serving is... As we brought our kids up, and we're far from a perfect family, trust me. If, if we were a reality show, it would, be, it would not be good. But at our house, one of the things that we always have talked about is our kids at different levels have to have chores or responsibilities and have to own stuff. And so one of the places both of our kids like to eat, I don't know where they got that from, but they like to eat. And so whenever we, one of the things that we did is, hey, as they got older, we gave them opportunities to be a part of that process. And so whenever they were younger, that meant... They got to lick the spoons and put them down because they would be clean so we could have something to eat with. They put out the um, napkins and all the different stuff. And now, you know, there's times where we're like, hey, we're not going to be home until a certain time. You're there. Find what's in the fridge and figure it out and prepare it for us. And so there's as people get older and as skills and talents grow, the opportunities to serve and the responsibility grows with it. The same is true in church. Is that there are moments where you're new, you're trying to figure it out. And so, listen, we're going to find a place where you can just kind of set some spoons out and get to know and kind of get to see where you're at and how God's gifted you. With the mindset of one day you may be cooking the meal and setting it for other people. And that that is the beauty of us together as a body, working together and growing together to serve the table so we can point one more person to Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts and talents and the uniqueness that you make us. Father, I pray that each one in this room, that they enjoy that uniqueness, the talents and the skills, the way they look, the way they act, the think, all those different things that make them them, that they would take joy in that because you didn't make a mistake when you made them. And Father, they would also take joy in the fact that in Christ that you have gifted them with something unique to carry out for the body of Christ, to point other people to Jesus. So Father, I pray that we would 
if they don't know that, that this morning would be the beginning place of them seeking you out and in seeking you out to, to know where it is that you've gifted them and how you've gifted them for the various tasks and opportunities that are before them. Father, thank you so much for this church body, that it's a body that's actively moving forward and taking steps to reach the community, to reach their neighbors with the good news of Jesus Christ. May we continue to take those steps forward. And it's your son's name that we pray. Amen.